All right, guys, this is the Rambler Man Podcast, episode five. Um, I am your host, Max, and I am here today with a special guest, my cousin from Miami, Florida, Sebastian Matar, a.k.a. Seabass. What's up, brother? Cousin. What's, what's going on? <laughs> I'm um, chilling, bro. I'm honored to be number five on your podcast. That was my uh, my junior year high school of volleyball. That was I was a bench warmer, but that was the peak of my volleyball career was my junior year, not my senior. And I was number five. So I, I like to be, I love the fact this is episode five. Fun All right. There we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's just hear a little bit about yourself first. Uh, let us know what you what do you do? You have an interesting um, well, occupation, like what you do, what you like to do. Let me say. So we'll start with we're cousins through my mom's side, where my you know, we're second cousins, right? Because I'm direct cousins with your dad. Yeah. And then you're his son, so we're like second cousins. But whatever, we're cousins in that manner from my mom's side of the family. Uh, that just in case people are wondering how we're family. And then so by I'm from Miami. Um, 26 i do stand-up comedy in miami and i am a server or was i don't even know anymore if i want to have my job after this but uh i am a server at a, a restaurant in miami so i mean that's pretty much the gist of it comic server life you know the starving artist so yeah not the most glamorous life in the beginning Oh, yeah, but now I'm oh. good, man. I got glasses of wine. I got space. You never went over to my efficiency, right? No, you never. Nah, no, no, no. We only went to your mom's house when we were over mm. there the, a few years ago. Yeah, you that, that efficiency, bro, that was a... This is glamorous now. This is the glam life. Everything's up and up from now. Um, so my first question for you being a comic, do you feel like that you like comedy or you identify with comedy because the way that our family is now context to what I mean by that is in our family, Sivas would agree with this, that it doesn't matter who you are in the family. You could be the oldest person, the youngest person, you will get roasted. You will get chopped. Do you feel like that? plays a role in your choice of being a stand-up comic? Um, that's funny. I've never even thought of that being like a thing that probably had some form of an effect on it. Cause yeah. Cause not only like our family, as far as like uh, when we're together, we're all like that, but more in specific, my, my, uh, my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, he's like that too. And he's always forced me to be witty. And that's the same thing I noticed that when I lived in Houston, that's what we did. Like we were all witty. You had, and you still have to be witty. So I mean, like, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a direct influence as it is a trained muscle I've gotten over the years with the family that it translates on stage sometimes because Somebody will say something and, you know, like the way we are with each other, we're quick. You have that same reflex when you're on stage. 
um, I don't know about now, honestly. Like, I might, I'm, I'm gonna be rusty. Like, I'm super nervous to go back on stage. But yeah, I think I wouldn't say it necessarily uh, would stem as an inspiration to be a comic, but I would say it definitely is part of my tools when I'm when I'm on stage as a comic. Yeah, I mean, because that's like one thing I notice in our family is like, no, it doesn't matter who you are. You know, you're hanging out with the fam. You're gonna get. A little bit of heat, you know, and you got to be sharp. Either you can say something back or and be quick with it, or you're just going to get eaten alive. Our and- family really do do that to people, though. Like, even if you just there sitting with a plate, they're like, oh, you're just going to sit with your plate? Like, that's it? You're like, you're, I'm not doing anything. What? Why are you coming at me? It's funny because our, you know, our family is like, we're really like uh, loving in general. <clears throat> right, right. But Absolutely. When- when people that are outsiders come in and they don't know how we are, normally it's like a really, a really big shock factor. For uh, sure. So like we've seen people that we know that, you know, are, are family friends that come in and then they can't really stand the heat a little bit and then they end up a little butthurt. But I mean, it's just the way that we grew up to me. It's like, I, I am would never thought about being a stand-up comic, comic or anything like that, but if one thing is for sure, I'm not afraid to embarrass myself. I'm not like scared, like to do anything obnoxious right, just because right. like I've been embarrassed my whole life. So. Right. You know. Right. It's like nothing at this point. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So what made you or what kind of drove you to try stand up in the first place? Um, I don't know. I think, so I've never really said this story. But this was like the first time I really did stand up was like, uh, it was 2014, I want to say it was. And my friend had messaged me. She was putting on a talent show in like the community college. And she's like, oh, I think you could do stand up. And this was like, I think it was November. It was right before my 21st birthday. I don't know why I've never told this story. I always use a different story as the first time I did stand up, but this was truly the first time I went. So long story short, the girl tells me like, yo, you should come do this. I'm like, how long? She's like 10 minutes. I was like, all right, cool. And I wrote something out and had a few friends go and it was probably horrible. Like, honestly, it was probably really bad. Um, But you know, you have a supportive crowd. They're like, yo, you did great. It was like my first time ever, but uh, so whatever, that was November. And then I never, did stand up again till I think it was April of 2015. So in April, I had gone on a cruise. I, go, I went on a cruise in March, end of March, saw the comics on the cruise. And then I was like, I went back to that time, like the few months back that I had done it in November. And I was like, damn, I really, I had fun when I did that, whatever. Like, let me ask these guys. And I went up to them and I talked to them after the show and I asked them like, what should I do? And and they were like, well, when you get back to Miami, like just Google open mics Miami. And that's exactly what I did. A few weeks after coming back from the cruise, um, I, I emailed the place, which is called, can you hear me? Is the, is the yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a place called Artistic Vibes. And I messaged them. And that was like one of the first hits I saw open mic. And it's, I was like, hey, can I do stand up? And they're like, yeah. And I went, I did it. And... Uh, it was horrible. It was so bad. I have the five minutes on YouTube and they're fucking horrendous, but I have it on, on private. Like no one can see it, but me. 
I wouldn't ever, like, I'm not ready to release that content yet. I need a few more years to detach from it for you to see me and be like, wow. I feel like now you'd be like, oh, he's better, you know, but it's like, yeah, he's not. Um, but no. Uh, so was that the question when, when, yeah, what was what was the first time you did it? What was the first time I did it? Yeah, so that's long story short. My two first times was like the talent show. I think you can do this, and I tried it, then never did it again for five months, and then boom, did it again, uh, seriously. So, and after you did, let's say the one at artistic vibes, what made you want to keep doing it? Um what made me want to keep doing it? Okay. So this is like, um, I'm going to give you like a two part answer. So I, once I started doing it from that April of 2015 for in artistic vibes, I did it for a year straight, a year and change, um, up until June of 2016. So when I did it in that time, because then eventually what happened, the reason why I say that is because I took a break from comedy because I moved out on my own and I was just like, I need to pay bills. So I was focused on paying bills or whatever. And then I did another project, which I don't know if you remember Colada time, but I did Colada time for about a year and change. And then I, I got the stand up bug again, listening to Joey and, and Rogan. And then your father had messaged me on a particular day. Uh, I told you about this, right? About what your dad messaged me. Maybe not. Me, me, me and your dad were um, every morning. Your dad would send me a devotion. Uh, and uh, on this particular day, he had messaged me saying something. I don't remember verbatim what it was, but it was something along the lines of like humor being my key to success pretty much. And the very, the very night before, so he texted me like at eight in the morning, probably like at one in the morning, I was up writing a new five minutes because I got the bug to go back on stage and I kind of, everything fell into place. Um, so the first time I, I did stand up, I think I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I was trying to be the funniest dude in the room. I was trying to just like, uh, like, I guess it was like the get rich quick mentality or like, you know, I'm just going to be, you know, there's time. Like, I didn't know the time and effort that you really had to put into this to really like, you know, get to, and I guess, you know, me being naive and immature and, and you know, being in that different phase of my life and not knowing, you know, uh, I had the wrong, not necessarily the wrong intentions because I always enjoyed it. That's a fact. Uh, but maybe not the, the, the priorities were set a little different. Now with this one, like when I came back this time that I've pursued it and I've been doing it for about two, going on like close to two and a half years, I would say, you know, like two, two, let's just say two and a half years. Um, now doing it this time, it was a whole different thing. It was just kind of like, it, there was, I was able to draw an analogy of sports a lot. Like where I was like, all right, you know, like this is basketball. You get me, you got to go to the gym. You got to take your jump shots and then, every, you know, you're going to have good moments. You're going to have bad moments. And I just draw uh, a, a lot of parallels from sports and comedy. And I just put a different perspective on it and a different intention. Like, this is like, it's hard to think, but it's like, you know, 10 years deep. That's, and that's saying that you're really good. You're excessively good. And I think that why I pursue comedy still is because like, I feel like if I have to do something, I know I'm not athletic. I'm not going to be a pro athlete at 26 going on 27, you know, like five, eight, 160 pounds. Okay. Like, 
So I know my place. Do you get me? I'm not going to be the Harvard guy. I'm not, I'm, I'm not the brains. I'm not the smartest guy. Yeah, like I'm, I'm a, a bit knowledgeable, but I'm, I know I'm very ignorant. I do not, I do know where my wrongs are. Um, so, you know, with everything that I have, I just feel like comedy and making people feel good has something that's kind of always been in my life through one form of another. Uh, so I just feel like this has been something that it, it's, I'm, I'm going to continue to try to be funny and make fun of people and roast people and make faces and characters and voices. I'm going to always do that whether I'm on stage or not. You get me? Like the, the fact I have the microphone doesn't change anything of my personality. All I'm trying to do with the microphone is create a, uh, uh, a career with the mm. microphone. But without it, I'm still just going to be doing the same things. I'm just saying, if you're going to be doing it, might as well get paid. Yeah. You know, I'm not afraid to say that either. I'm not afraid to say, like, I want to live, you know, a wealthy lifestyle through comedy. Uh, but it's not on the priority list. It's more of, like, doing what I love. I learn about, I learn about um, life a lot. Like, I would take, just to put an example that's a little direct to both of us, is Alex's wedding. You know, part of the reason why I was able to go to Alex's wedding was because I won a comedy contest that was a hundred bucks that helped me pay for the flight. And it wasn't necessarily like, uh, uh like an a hundred people room. It, it was like maybe seven of us, maybe, you mm -hmm. know, and we just had, bro, maybe it was three audience members. That was it. It was seven comics, three audience members, and the comic on stage. And I just riffed. I didn't do any, I didn't do any like written material. I riffed. I made the three people laugh. And then I ended up getting the money. Um, but whatever. Like, I still use that as like, you know, God telling me. Because I was like, if I get this money, I'm going to go to Texas. Because that's what I said. I said that in the morning. I said, if I get this money, I'm going to go to Texas. And I'm going to, because Alex had just told me about the wedding. And, um, yeah, bro, it happened. It came through, it worked. And, you know, that's one of many times that I felt like this, um, communication with like, you know, the universe, God, a higher power, something above me, whatever, whatever people want to relate or, or, or call it. Uh, it was like a communication with that. And it's happened to me multiple times to where I feel like, okay, yeah, I'm definitely like on the right path to, uh, what, what it is that I'm trying to pursue. You know, yeah, I I find that it's uh, comedy seems like it's like very unglorious um, in a lot of ways. I mean, if if you really think about it in general, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. Success is really an unglamorous road, and success looks different for everybody. Um, of course, some people get really rich and whatever, but really the the main thing is that if it's something you truly find something that you want to do and that you love, um, then you're going to put in the time to pursue that for however long it takes to be successful, whatever that looks like in your eyes. Um, and for everybody's different. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, you say 10 years, I mean, it could be any amount of years. Some people are lucky. Some people aren't but the journey looks different for everybody. Um, but um, I had a question, but I forgot it. Oh, well, we are well. in a pickle dill. So from there, 
right now somebody offers you a floor seat ticket, or not floor seat, sorry, front row tickets, what comic do you get to see? What comic are you going to go see? Two tickets. Hands down, Chappelle. Dave Chappelle? Yes, sir. I think that's a given, though. I think Dave Chappelle's a given. I think Dave Chappelle's a given. Let, let's, let's take Dave Chappelle out. You take Dave Chappelle out. It's weird because the type of comedy that I like now is just completely different than what I normally used to like. I used to like, I, I was not really big in the like, I liked sketch comedy. Um, and the only stand-up comedy I really watched a lot of was mainly Chappelle, maybe like Chris Tucker, um, some stuff like that, George Lopez. But then, like, now that I'm older, I feel like once you see George Lopez, like, really once, you kind of, like, know what you're going to get, which is why Chappelle's, like, in a league of his own, in my opinion. His show... Is always his material's always evolving to never like similar to before. Um, so now, man, that's a hard question. I don't know. The only person that I feel like I would really like to see right now is Dave. Dave, but someone else that I would really like to see just because I think that they're hilarious with the type of comedy that they have is Tim Dillon. Tim Dillon, I actually have not heard his stand up, but I. I heard him on, on Joey's podcast. Yeah. I heard the episode with him. Yeah. And just the way he is on like the podcast and stuff, I feel like in the show, he'd be hilarious. Very sarcastic, very like kind of borderline messed up. But right. I just find it hilarious just because like, like you can't take yourself too seriously, especially in stand-up comedy. Um, right. But, okay, so this is a question I have for you, especially in the scene of comedy. Do you feel like, um, especially in Miami, because I've, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, you know, everywhere is kind of different. Do you feel like in Miami that there is a difference in the appeal of, like, people are too woke for certain jokes? Or do you feel like that's that's prevalent in Miami or anything like that? Like... What you do you mean, like to, you need to be like PC, or you can't make jokes about certain things? Um, I mean, I'm gonna say yes is the the safe answer, right? That's the that's the answer you we should say, and I think yeah, to a certain extent. But on the other hand, like not always. Like there's always gonna be sensitive people in the crowd, but certain rooms lend themselves to be more sensitive. For example, we have a room. Um, I don't want. I don't want to throw nobody under a bus, but like, hmm, what room is? So, like, all right, artistic vibes. Artistic vibes is like a very. I wouldn't say they're PC, but they are very like supportive, right? They're like a supportive crowd. Like, oh, yeah, like everyone does good. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think there people might get offended with something said, right? And I, it, it's be it their crowd, be it their, their culture, whatever the case may be that they've done there. 
it's a type of room that you, from one comic talking to another comic, you're, you'll be like, all right, man, like you don't want to use your dark shit here because yeah. they might not get behind it. You know, they're going to rock with you. They're a great audience, but this is what, then you have other rooms like this one room that's a fucking, I mean, it's gotten better over the years for sure, but it's a dive bar. It's called Taurus. Um, this place is rough, bro. This is like going to the lion's den, man. Like you, you will die up there for eight minutes, like just in front of a drunk audience crowd and like just nasty people. People don't give a fuck. They're talking over you. They're at the bar. They're in the back talking loud. Um, people in the front literally will watch you and just like talk to their friend right next, right next to them. No problem. Like they don't care. Um, and in that place you can get, you can definitely push the envelope a lot. So short answer. Yeah, we do have the PC thing here. Long answer is only in certain rooms. And also again, a lot of the time it's like, you know, what it's, it's not what you're saying. It's how you're saying it. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be saying the most fucked up thing out there, but if you're saying it funny and you can't give, you literally have to give everyone no other option but to laugh for it to work. Yeah. It's when you leave that wiggle room of misinterpretation of not sticking to the joke or something like that, that, uh, I mean, you might, you might still get that one person that might not laugh, but like overall, yeah, you could even get away with it in those PC crowds. So. Yeah. I think it always comes down to like, that's the the whole thing with comedy in general is being a master of the crowd. Really. You have to be able to win them over pretty quickly. And then from there, you know, you're taking them for a ride. Uh, But I mean, that's the tricky part. It's like the different dynamics, you know, you have people, you know? Um, Oh, and I remember the question I was going to have for you. Tremendous. Do you feel like, that you want to make people laugh and feel good because it's something that you needed in your life at some point, or that's something that comforted you uh, and you felt like that you feel like that's one way that you could help people because it helped you in some kind of way. Um, I think, I think I'm an attention whore. That's first and foremost. Like you cannot not like the attention, like as much as you don't, you know, there's certain people who are like, I don't like it. It's like Mitch Hedberg was one of those people that he wore the shades because he didn't want people looking at him. And the whole night, like, are, are there those cases? I'm not going to say that there's not. Absolutely. But more likely than not, people who are doing stand-up uh, like attention. People who are doing anything where they're on a stage being viewed like attention. Um, so I think it's, it's like, it's validation, Right. Like, that's one thing I've realized in this quarantine is like without laughter with, I don't know if I'm funny, you know, like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm still funny or if my, my wittiness is still there or whatever. Uh, But it's like a, it's a form of validation. So in a way it's like, I'm doing it for myself, but like selfishly, yes, I'm doing it for myself, but yes, I definitely do appreciate making people laugh. Like I enjoy laughing with people. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like it's, it's something that I saw my dad do a lot, right? Like, you know, always with the health issues and, you know, we, he was always laughing about shit and I don't, I don't know. Like, I think it's been a thing that's been in my life in the background this whole time where like laughter is a key to something or, or being happy, a positive perspective, even, even like broader is more like a positive perspective. Um, and I don't know. I just feel like with comedy, it's, laughter is like a universal language 
mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, if, if you and a stranger that don't speak the same language, no, like at all, not Latin or no, no, there's no correlation. And you see someone fall, like doing something stupid, you're both going to laugh. You feel me? Like, and you don't have to speak the same language to understand that. Yeah. Um, laughter is like a universal connection. Like no matter. Right. What, yeah. So I do definitely enjoy like giving people laughter and like making them feel good. I do. Uh, but at the same time, I definitely do do it for myself as well. Where like there's a form of validation, or there's a form of attention or there's a form of something, you know, and I would never, I would never say like, oh, I, I, I honestly don't know why I like the attention. Maybe it's because I had the attention from when I was, a, when I was little, you know, like my, my parents, I was the youngest of, of seven Everybody was older. So, you know, you're, you're the baby of the family. Everyone's like, oh my God, the little baby. And you're always, you know, the baby. And, and like, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, my parents raised me with manners. So I know that, you know, people used to tell us all the time, like, oh, your sons are so, like me and my brothers, like your sons are so well behaved. So I don't know, maybe it's, it's that. Maybe I was just so used to people being around me and stuff that I just felt that. I, I, I bro. I, but I definitely am an attention whore, like a hundred, a hundred percent, bro. I, I don't, and I can relate a little bit, not that it's made me like to this day feel like that I want to make people laugh. But when I was in middle school and high school, I always loved to make people laugh. Even Ooh, if I was, was up and coming, boy, this <laughs> was up and coming. I, you know, I would do the most ridiculous things. I would fake fall. I would, yeah. I, I will never forget this story. It is, in hindsight, you know, you do stupid shit, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and nowadays, like, would I take it back? No, because it makes me who I am. But in hindsight, I know it was disrespectful, oh, and God. I shouldn't have done it. Oh, wow. But, I like this. <laughs> but I had a teacher in high school, and she could never really control the class. So in that class, me and my friends, we would always just do whatever we wanted. You know, we would be reading a book and I would like throw the book and then just walk out of class. Everybody would look around like, what the hell? And then I would just walk around the school. But it wasn't to be mean. It was just because I could. Well, one day we're in a computer lab and I tell one of my friends, I'm like, hey, record this. <laughs> and I, I got on the floor on all fours like a gorilla ran up to the teacher barking like a dog and everyone was laughing and there was a video of it and i just remember laughing to myself now hindsight my wife's a teacher now if anybody did that to her i would be pissed but in the moment like i only did it because i thought it would be funny and i knew that everybody else would laugh i wish i had the video of it but i don't wow you did all that to not have the video i didn't record it well my friend recorded it and then he moved away and then i i would always ask him for the video after that and then he could never give it to me so bro this guy's gonna blackmail you so hard bro (laughs) (laughs) that is hilarious i i'm i can't remember i mean there was you know i wasn't always like that with every teacher it just depended on what class I was How in. How far you could push the envelope with that it, person. Exactly. So. Yeah, I had a teacher like that too, man. I used to throw my shoe into the into the squares and move them out the way with this kid named Connor. I oh, had yeah. ADD. He had ADHD. And together we made the Powerpuff Girls, bro. Like that shit was fucking... <laughs> that shit was a fucking shitstorm for this old Jewish soul. Jesus Christ. 
I'm pretty sure she passed away. God rest her soul. If not, well, I hope she's well. I mean, we used I hope to she do has a face mask on. What else did we do? I mean, we did we did all kinds of stuff. I mean, I I remember one time we made a teacher quit after the year that she was teaching, and Alex yeah. had her. Alex had her. My, <laughs> I, have, I have an uncle. For the people listening or watching, I have an uncle Alex. And he is two years older than me. So when we went to high school, we went to the, the same high school. So I had a lot of the same teachers. <laughs> and I would tell them that I was his nephew. And they would just be like, oh, my God. There's and two of you. <laughs> the problem was it was always a death sentence for that teacher. And this one teacher, I had a bunch of friends in that class that were older than me. So we would always just mess with her because she was like a super uptight, like white lady. Right. And she, she would make us watch the announcements and none of our cl- other classes made us, but she would make us do it. So every day when the, when the Pledge of Allegiance came on, I would stand up and hold my hand over my chest and be like, I pledge allegiance to the Soviet Russia. And like, she would like get pissed. <laughs> and then we had, a, uh, we had a friend who was Asian and his real name, he would go by Tommy. But his real name was Luan. And we would always be like, we'd be like, Luan, I'll Luan you so hard. And like, <laughs> he wouldn't be offended. He would laugh about it. And we would say it all the time. And she would be like, what are you saying? Are you saying something inappropriate? And we were just messing with her. And she would always get pissed. And like, i almost <clears throat> positive she quit after that year because like, not only me, but all these other kids were bad too. But yeah, we, for sure. She sounds like a shitty teacher. <laughs> like, <laughs> but we, man, I just remember we would do all kinds of stuff. I had a teacher choke out a kid with his sweater one time. That <laughs> was peak middle school. That's when I was in Memorial Parkway Junior High. I took uh, <laughs> I took uh, tech ed my eighth grade year, and it was fifth period. So it was like that class right after lunch or right before lunch or something like we didn't give a shit. We were like, we want to get out. And it was like a computer class pretty much. Yeah. And um, bro, one day we had this kid, his name's Zach Schroeder and he's a Husky white boy. And he would like do this, like, like bark, but it sounded like a real dog. And, and this bro, this teacher was like, I don't know. He must've been, close to 70 years old man uh old white guy looks like he probably was in vietnam at some point of his life you know like he was he was a hard dude and every day man every day we do something to fuck with this guy and every time the kid would bark i would go oh my god there's a dog in here (laughs) And, and he would go oh there's not there's no dog in here so every day he do it and finally one day he caught the kid who was doing it and he could so it was like a weird like it was like uh you came in through here but then there was like desk lined up against the wall with computers drilled into the wall pretty much and it was just a big open space in the middle and that's where he would teach from and he saw the kid that did it and my friend thought he didn't see him so he like does it and like turns straight to look this way and he comes from behind and he grabs his hoodie 
and he chokes him he pulls him back and like he's like that's not funny or whatever and we're all like what the fuck like this guy just fucking like choked this kid and it was like maybe like a month or month and a half left to school and they had to we had a sub for like two whole weeks i guess he got suspended Oh my and god. And then when he came back, he had to have a teacher assistant with him. He couldn't teach the class alone no more. Bro, that shit was hilarious. And his name was Mr. Woods. So we used to fuck with him. And we used to call him Coach Woods. And he'd be like, Oh, I'm I'm not no coach. We used to call him Dr. Woods. <laughs> we ended up calling him Coach Lieutenant Colonel Dr. Uh, Sir Knight Mr. Woods Bro, we tortured this poor bastard I think he quit the next year I think that was it I think that was it for Mr. Woods, bro He was done I give it to teachers, man Teachers take a lot of shit, bro Shit's, Kids shit. suck, man Kids suck I remember one more thing that I used to do Was I would take my phone And we weren't allowed to be on our phones So what I would always do is mess with teachers is I would take my phone case off the back of it and then I would act like I'm on my phone. And I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm in class. No, no, no. And then the teacher would be like, give me your phone. And I'd give him the case. And then they were like, what the Classic. <laughs> you got houdini <laughs> What phone? Oh. But, yeah, um, I was like the attention too. But then at some point in high school, I just stopped caring about everything. So I was like, you know, I just want to get out of here, move on with my life, do some other things. Once I left school, you know, I didn't really like try to make a fool of myself. To this day, I still don't mind embarrassing myself. I'll embarrass anybody around me. I'll make a fool of myself. I don't care. I'll trip in public on purpose just because. You need a therapist. I do. Jesus Christ. I'll punch a baby in the face. (laughs) Not like that. I would just like trip and then like, I'm like, oh my God. This man will Viva La Bam his dad. He will throw salami on his chest while he's sleeping at four in the morning with a camera in front of him. Who was it? Who was uh, Vito? Don Vito. Don Vito. (laughs) Don Vito. Oh my God. I I still mess with with, uh, with Tata all the time. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he. I know how to get him riled up very easily. So yeah, bro, I do the same shit to my mom. They, bro, they're easy. They're they're so easy to get mad, man. It's 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 just when people are easily triggered, it's just fun to do it. It's fun Why to not? Me, I do that to my girl all the time. She hates me for it. Whatever. How's it like being a dog dad? Um, it's cool being a dog owner. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a dog dad. I mean, like, to her, yeah, I'll be like, oh, go with your mom. Or she'll say, go with your dad or whatever. Like, to her. But now, man, I remember I had this one guy ask. I was like, I used to work with him. And it had been, like, maybe a year or two that I hadn't seen him. And I was like, yo, what's up, man? How's everything? You know, how's your fiance? How's your dog? And he's like, oh, we're all good. You know, uh, our daughter is fine. I was like, oh, did you just... Oh my God! Here we go. I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't care. Like, people call my dog a he at times, and I don't even go like, oh, she's a she. I'm just like, yeah, you close enough, you know? It's good enough. Like fifty fifty. So uh, I'll just pretend I heard she. Um, but 
yeah no it's it's different bro like this is the first pet i ever owned and we're pretty uh thanks to her like i would say we're going out a lot in the quarantine because i'm forced to walk her you know we live in the apartment so we walk at eight about about like nine nine a.m we'll walk again around 3 p.m and then we'll walk again like around eight eight o'clock so we go out a few times a day probably get like an hour's worth of walking in total go out there it's fun you know every morning she's excited to see me so it kind of has me like something good to feel in the morning as soon as i wake up i'm like ah, hey, what's up you excited i'm excited yeah so uh it makes the days go by probably like a little bit easier so it's fun man it's fun she's oh she's embarrassing she's from the pound and she's three years old and she had a broken hip her hip was completely fucked up and when we got her we told the pound like hey we don't want her if she needs surgery and they're like oh no she's good she just took a spill here the other day and she was super timid very scared dog came probably from an abused home and uh we we brought her home and she kept limping, kept limping. And we took her to a, a vet. One vet told us that it was like an ACL or no sé cuánto or whatever. And the next vet we took him to looked at her and she was like, oh, yeah, she has no muscle in that leg. Like, we didn't even notice this. This was like a, a month after having her. We didn't even notice that she had that, like, literally no muscle in that leg from how long she hadn't used it. So uh, we did the surgery on her, fixed the leg. So we're walking, like, that's why we're walking her so much is to, like, let that leg rebuild. And she had, like, I don't know how long it hasn't been since she hasn't used it, but you can just tell. And we didn't realize it at first because we don't really know what we're looking at. But then, uh, so long story short, comes from, comes from the shelter, probably an abused background. So when she sees other dogs, she gets very aggressive. And she's a mutt. So she's not a big dog. Like, she's only, like, 25 pounds. So she's not a big dog, but she has a big dog's bark. Like this bitch bark is violent. So like, it's, is it like the dog that you were scared of a long time ago? Like boots? <laughs> all, all the dogs. You were scared of all the dogs. Bro, I got bit. Here's the thing though. Like I was traumatized from an early age. I got, so like apparently my parents tell me this is where the whole trauma started. I was like two or three years old and I forgot who, what friend of the family we were at. And they had a Rottweiler. And I, I was, like, trying to pet it, and I was fucking with it. And I guess the Rottweiler didn't want it. And it turned around and barked. it Like, it didn't bite me, but it barked in my face. And then I got scared. And they said that's where it happened. What I remember is the first time I got bit by a fucking dog, it was a German Shepherd. It didn't bite me to pieces or nothing like that. Like, it didn't bite me to kill me. It was more like to play. But in the moment, it freaked me the fuck out. I was five years old, and I was just, like, running like a kid and that shit came out of nowhere and it i guess it thought we were playing and it bit my arm and i lost it bro i went running all around that backyard my dad had to pick me up like bro i freaked out then after that that was a that's it after that i was afraid of fucking dogs forever and i got chased by dogs on a bike i got chased by a husky right by where i live i got chased by a mutt somewhere in these streets over here i've gotten chased by three or four different dogs on bikes i've gotten bit by like i got bit by boots on my fucking toe um bro i mean yeah so this this dog has a very scary bark 
where I'm like, yo, like you need to relax. And then the other day we were going down. She doesn't, and she's a dog that like, if you're not looking at her, she don't care. She'll see you. She'll just like look, observe you and then keep walking and just keep looking, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you are, the, if like another dog locks eyes with her and doesn't look away, she starts getting aggressive. She starts going crazy. And I'm just like, yo, I'm like, chill. You embarrass me. Uh, but I don't know. I think like, so she acts aggressive, but then like a, a, the other day we were walking and a, a dog with no leash came, came up to her barking at her. And she kind of like, she was barking, but she was like backing up. So I was like, oh, you're, you're just fucking all bark. Like you're not going to do shit to nobody. Dogs are weird. I mean, female dogs, are, it's less prevalent, but a lot of times male dogs will be a little bit worse with aggression because it's territorial. Right. Um, like I, my dog Lazarus, he's great with people, but he's not good with other dogs, especially male dogs. He starts right. getting like, he feels like they're threatening him. They're bucking up. He's got to let them know. And he's not like the biggest dog, which one time, did you ever see Winston? I remember Winston. I mean, I never saw him, but he's big. Yeah, yeah, I re- I re- I've seen pictures and videos, so I know. Blue pit, right? He's like stout, and then Lazarus is just a rescue dog mixed, and he's like a little bit scrawnier. We were watching Winston at our house for my parents, and they were playing outside, and Winston's not the most trained dog when it comes to other dogs like being social so Lazarus and Winston were playing and then it turned into not playing and poor Lazarus just got pinned to the ground and like he just got overpowered by Winston because he's such a big bastard I mean his mouth is like like his jaw is like freaking huge yeah and that was crazy I had to separate them and I was like, all right, Lazarus, you're never coming around any other dogs just because I can't trust them. Right. And then uh, Winston, I was like, that's what my parents like. He shouldn't be social with other dogs because he doesn't know how, like what it means like to back off or anything like that. It's like dogs are interesting because like if you don't socialize them, especially if they're males, like they don't understand. So right. they, a dog will warn them like to back off. And then they don't know what that means. They keep trying to play. And next thing you know, they're fighting. Just yeah. there's a loss of communication because they never learned. Um, so, I mean, like, that's one thing about dogs is a lot of times people blame the dogs. It's like, no, it's a lot of times it's at the owner's fault too, because they should know what kind of, how their dog reacts with other right. dogs and with people. Some dogs don't like people except their owner. Like, and you have to be responsible and know, like, hey. Yeah, my dog definitely does not like getting pet by a stranger. If she doesn't approve you, she don't want she don't want you touching her. Yeah. I tell everybody who comes in, you know, ignore her. I'm like, ignore her. She ain't gonna do nothing to you. But like, if you try to pet her and she don't like it, she ain't with that. So just let her ease up to you. And usually what she does is like when, when she like approves of you, if you're hanging out with your hands dangling or something, she'll put her snout right under your hand, like to signal, like, give me, scratch me. So I always tell people, just ignore her. As soon as she comes around to you, bro, bro, the first time I, I, I went to see the dog, um, I saw four, I was, I wanted to see four dogs that day. And the only one that was available and read up, met all the requirements was her. 
So I went to go set the playpen date, whatever, to, to see her. Uh, bro, all like 50 minutes went by before she even let me pet her. She walked around me, bro. I tried to throw the ball. She was looking at people, looking here, looking there. And, like, she walked around me, walked around. I, anytime I tried to pet her, she would, like, like kind of, like, yo, relax. And, like, walk away fast. And, yeah, then, you know, she let me pet her. And we were cool. Stayed there for, like, 10, 15 minutes petting her. Then the next day, I came back to the pound with my girlfriend. Because that day, I was – I forgot where she was. But I was – I went to go meet her. Then the next day, she, like, recognized me relatively quick and, like, came right to my side or whatever. And then my girl, when she did that, my girl was like, oh, yeah, we're taking her. Like, mm -hmm. I don't care. So, yeah, bro. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, like, we're trying to, again, who knows where her past is. We're trying to socialize her with dogs and expose her to more dogs. And we're getting better at controlling when she, like, barks. Now she'll kind of bark less but we kind of have to be on top of her like hey turn around hey don't look you know yeah. like, tugging at her um, and maybe she'll learn i mean she's smart she's a smart dog but yeah they I learn mean, eventually it just takes time you know dogs are really easy to train you just have to kind of instill it in them first yeah um the biggest thing is like i mean once they know like what no means like a lot of times they're they'll already be scared like to like do like you'd be like no yeah be like oh okay he's not playing around and they, they still respect you it's all kind of more of like a respect thing um but so when quarantine is over right what's the first thing you do i think you for sure need to get everything cleaned up here you're starting to look like an old asian man you got the potato patch on the head oh my god this is starting to become Cuba here, and then this will be Miami right <laughs> over here. So, fuck. Um, yeah, barbershop probably will be one of the first things. I'll probably do the whole uh, gloves and and mask until I I can't, you know, like till he can't, uh, you know, cut my hair with a mask on. So I'll probably just hold it. You guys have any news uh, over there so far? Um, so far, no. Nah, I heard like Miami Beach is going to extend, you know, another. They're, they're saying as far as like opening the beach back up in Miami might be as as late as uh, or as early, I'm sorry, as like May 14th or 15th. I don't know if that's true. These are like things I've heard. Um, nothing of my job. I haven't got no emails. I haven't got no um, messages from my boss. Um, yeah, I think Miami's going to play conservative. I saw Illinois extended their, their quarantine till May 31st. Uh, so I don't know, but no, I have Texas, I have, baby, Texas. Yeah. You guys, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of crazy, <laughs> but sure. I mean, they, they want to open up. I mean, I don't really know how I feel about it. I mean, did they, I thought they did already. Uh, well this week, I mean, Oh, North this Friday. The first, the first is like phase one. It's like retail stores, theaters, and like some other stuff. Now there's new stuff floating around about uh, a judge in a local county around here was like, you know, based on what the governor said, everybody can open. They're kind of just kind of loose with their words. 
So I don't know. I feel like people are going to open up and just say, screw it. I mean, people are going to get sick, bro. Like the, the thing is that if the goal is to flatten the curve, then you keep everyone in quarantine. This is my thing. I've been, I've been going deep, right? I got a lot of time on my hands. I read Don't a lot hit of me stuff. with this conspiracy shit. It's not really about that. I don't want to oh, go deep. Go. I don't want to go deep. Let's in those go, waters. Eddie Bravo. <laughs> I don't want to go that deep. But my thing is, like, I don't think the thing. I think the problem is no one really knows anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, agree I don't. With that. I don't think people know that shutting down really is going to help. I think in theory, flattening the curve, yes. But generally with, I, I know that, you know, they're saying that, oh, it is just more aggressive for older people. Yes, there's a lot of people at risk. I think the thing is, though, like, what if it has been around longer than they think and it's just been floating around and we just don't really haven't known about it? You know, like, that's the thing is, I don't think anybody really knows and I don't think anybody really understands. This is the thing is like being closed for as long as it, it has been a lot of people it's it's I get torn because you know being a small business owner I also understand a little bit of this too is because like people are like you know well why should I pay a membership at your gym or whatever it's like well if you want us to stay open we have to be able to still pay the rent and then those are the same people that if they would come and work out anyways, but they're complaining that they have to help keep businesses afloat. Like that makes no sense. So it's kind of like a fine line. Like what's the best solution, you know, like be shutting down everything and having people not doing anything and not being able to work is not a solution just with the way that things are. It is the way it is. Ideally the first couple of weeks I thought to myself, it would be cool. And ideally if we lived in some fantasy world, you know, people just lived life and didn't rely on currency, <laughs> you know, like they just did everything because that's like the way it went. You know, like if everything was simpler, you farmed food and you just traded shit. Like ultimately that would be the simplest way, but it's not like that. We, right. live, we live in a system where if there's, you're not making money, you know, it's going to be an issue. And like, right. needs to be a flow of money for everything to be going. So it's a fine line. I'm not an advocate for saying that, you know, I'm not saying that I think that, oh, we should just open up. I think there should be a well thought out plan. I think people that are at risk should stay home. And I don't know. I think that that's the thing is they don't know how the virus reacts. You know, one week you're hearing, oh, but there's herd immunity meaning basically the more that people are exposed to it, then the people build antibodies and then they're no longer affected by the virus. Well, if that's the case, then wouldn't, you know, just taking care of people at higher risk and then letting people just go about life normally be the solution. And then they find a vaccine. Ideally, that's what you would think. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I just think there's not enough information to really know. And I think the, that's the most, I think the quarantine is the most common sense solution, right? Where it's like limit. The bottom line of the quarantine is just limit trans, uh, transmission of 
of germs. Now, how do you do that? You stop, you know, making people be close to one another. Um, like I work in the restaurant. One person gets sick in the restaurant, literally within three weeks, you'll have people coming in and out of colds. One's walking out of it. The other one's getting it. One gets it again after letting it go for a week. And it's just that I see that I understand why, you know, like, again, you know, this is COVID has been around. That's why it's 19. Cause there's been 18 other forms of it. Um, you know, they carbon trace the, the, I don't know how, but they carbon trace the virus. And they said it, it dates back to November of 2019. Um, but you know, I don't, I, honestly, like, that's one thing I agree. Nobody really knows anything. Like, every, I feel like everyone's just doing it on the fly. Because, like, the other day I was like, why don't they just say, like, yo, six months? And that it, it is what it is. And but, but, again, the case could be made that, you know, maybe when they said two weeks, they really thought, like, okay, this is going to be handled in two weeks. So I just think it's, like, uncharted territory for everyone. You know, this is unprecedented. They've never moved the Olympic Games. You know, yeah. like even when people were held hostage, they didn't stop the Olympic Games. Um, you know, baseball has never stopped. You know, football has never stopped. Multi-billion dollar companies are stopping, which never have stopped before. So this is all unprecedented. Uh, it's an unprecedented time in our country and in our in the world, in the whole world, like not even the country, the whole world. Um, and I just think that, you know, uh, given, given the options we have of like, yo, go out there, limit yourself. Like if people are saying this shit is serious as it is and it's taking people out, I have no problem staying home. I'm good. I agree. It's just, like I said, the channel of information is crazy. You see and then one also, thing. But, but, but look at the time we're in too. Like, everything's a, 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 a news outlet. Everything. TikTok yeah. is a news outlet. Know. Instagram, Dude, Twitter, man. everyone has an opinion. People have contradicting ideas. You can find, you can Google a debate for why vaccines are good and you can Google a debate for why vaccines are bad and have equal side. Like literally, yeah. like they both make total sense. So it's just like, it's the time we're in with the information and everything. And I'm just like, what what sounds good to me really like that's what go, what it goes down to for me um stay your ass at home and stay away from people like stay away from uh from un unnecessary business and like there's there's two other things that one i've been hearing about a little bit as of the past couple of days that is interesting is that this is going to cause more problem more debt there's going to be more deaths from starvation because there's going to be a problem with food because of this Right. Um, so that is a big concern that I think people don't realize because you're stopping production and you're causing a lot of problems. Um, and it's not even necessarily here. We might experience a little bit, but think about countries that are like third world countries right. where, you know, it's different. The other thing I think about is for a large part of the population, there's no such thing as quarantine, honestly. Right. There's a lot of people out there that quarantine happened and they don't give a fuck. And they were working every day through this, finding jobs, doing anything they could because they needed to make money. Right. So like, it's just interesting. This is like such a bizarre situation.
you know, there's never going to be an option that's going to be ideal. The channel of information sucks in general because you don't know what's true. Everybody has an agenda they're pushing, you know. Um, I think ultimately we're in such a weird time that like people are really uninterested in finding solutions and more about pushing agendas and virtue signaling that, you know, they're better when ultimately the solution lies in compromise, which is why you have a lot of problems that we do now in politics is because it's like a dick measuring contest. Like, Oh, because you know, Donald Trump said this and that, and he's so bad. Well, the Democrats is just as bad. Right. Well, I mean, that's what it is though. Like that's always been the, I mean, like, that's why everyone says, like, at the end of the day, like, that cliche saying that goes, oh, you know, politics, like, that's mm-hmm. the truth, man. It's just, like, people who need, it's business, right? Like, it's someone who needs a favor, so you do something for them so they can do something for you, and, you know, then they do something for somebody, but because they did it, they did that for somebody, they can't do what they wanted for you, so now you have to turn, and, and it just... It's just fucking politics, bro. Like, it's just the way politics is. Politics is a very ugly game. And, I mean, that's that's just where we're at right now, man. But I think this is low-key. Like, I, I like to look at the good of things. And I just hope this makes people f- just act more like people, like humans, you know? Yeah. It's it's just weird. You know, you say that I'm like that too. I like to be positive, but no matter what, just because being negative isn't helping anybody. My thought process has always been, you know, if you really want, like, if you always focus on the negatives, then you're going to have a negative life or life is going to look negative. Right. But if you focus on the positives and you have a positive life, things are going to go in a positive way because your mentality is different. And that, that applies to anything. And I, I agree. I would hope that out of this, people are more united. But even now, it's crazy because I was talking to somebody about this today. And I just feel like with the way that things are going, like I am hopeful, but there as of late, especially with the opening of the certain states, like people's opinions are just crazy. Like people like are ridiculing people and like, you know, some people are just want to get back to the ways of life, you know, like that's just the fact. And then they were like, well, you're risking people's lives. It's like, we're risking people's lives either way. Right. I think one problem I have, I want people to be positive, but, people will easily write this off as the COVID-19 when people won't even recognize that the biggest killer of people is cancer, heart disease, and all these other things. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm definitely with you on that. Like, I think the same thing, you know? Like, we're really not, you know, how many people die from cigarettes, how many people die from alcohol, you know, all those things. And we're not out here banning any of that. But yeah. the minute we start dropping some thousands of people because of a cold or because of a virus, you know, we put, we, we freak out about everything, but 
I don't know, bro. Could it be, you know, it could be mass hysteria, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I think that people have to look at the information we're getting. I think news is unreliable, you know, especially the main outlets, because all you're getting is stuff that's like furthering an agenda. And, you know, unfortunately what you have is the left saying Trump is bad. And then you have the right saying that Trump is right, no matter what, which is not good. That's not helping anybody. Uh, So, I mean, I think ultimately like people need to be just listen to what you're hearing. Like you shouldn't always be hearing things that are validating what you think is right. Right. I mean, it's good to have a differing opinion to challenge you. Why not? Because you could be wrong, you know, because next thing you know, scientists could say, Hey, we don't have to be on quarantine. The best thing for us to do is, you know, build up an immunity to this, the more exposure or whatever, who knows what it might be. And it counters everything that we thought, but then people are going to always, you know, write that off and be like, no, they just want blah, blah, blah to happen because whatever. And it's because they don't want to believe it because it's not something that they feel like is the truth because they've always believed otherwise. Right. Right. So I think uh, like one thing that can help people be more positive about the situation in general is just like, be careful what channels you're listening to. You know, if you're always hearing stuff that's a negative, you're going to have a negative outlook. Yeah, you know? that's true. That's true. It's definitely like kind of going back. Uh, I was having a conversation with someone earlier where I was talking about like, you know, I try to make sure that, um, you know, I listen to something positive or I, I read something positive or I see something positive like throughout my day because it's very easy to like kind of fall into other shit, you know? And I can attest to that as someone that likes to read about conspiracies. If you start reading too much conspiracies, you start. Yeah, no, I'm good. I went, I went down that rabbit hole in high school and I'm good, bro. It's very easy to get caught up into, but it, it, (laughs) fuck that, man. I'd rather waste, I'm not waste, but I'd rather uh, put my time in, in, in watching a show on Netflix, like Money Heist. Money Heist was great. You've watched Ozark? Nah, man, I couldn't get into Ozark. Everybody who I've ta- who's seen it and I tell them the reason why, they're all like, oh, no, bro, you should keep watching it. Why? It just reminded me of Breaking Bad. It's it so much me- so much better than Breaking Bad, in my opinion. I don't know, bro. Breaking Bad is considered, like, one of the best shows in history of television, which I, I- get. Like, it was, like, six seasons. It, it, it ended perfect. You couldn't I do anything. I promise you, if you watch all the way through, you will think that Ozark's a strong contender. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, I saw like three or four episodes and I was just like, I can't get into this. And Dude, especially when you get to season two and three, it gets freaking wild. Yeah? Yeah. No, 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 no. I didn't. I, I watched Money. Money Heist is good. I haven't seen that. Uh, what else did we watch? I watched that's good. The Sinner's good. I started watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb's good. I started from season one and we've been working our way through that. Yeah, I think I'm in season five now. Yeah, we're in season oh, yeah, five season. or seven, season six. I can't remember which. But Larry's the best. Like, it's just so relatable. And like, I, don't know, I don't know how relatable it is. There are relatable moments, but I'm just like, oh, I'm glad I'm not that old Jewish grump that he is. Like, God damn. It's just relatable because he, 
I feel like all the situations he's in, I could find myself in in somehow, some way. Like, of personally. For, for sure. I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> um, what else? I don't know. I don't know. I've been watching The Last Dance, that's for sure. Oh, I don't have uh, ESPN, so I'm waiting for Netflix. I got to wait the five weeks. Um, I've kind of ran into some, like, I wouldn't say spoilers, but I've ran into some, like, tidbits about what's being spoken on Twitter. Like, I'll see what people talk about. But it's crazy uh, because I've never been a big basketball fan, like, a really big basketball fan. And watching it makes me really, like, for one, I appreciate Michael Jordan because everything that I thought he was is not what I thought. Like, I mean, everything I thought he was isn't reality. Like, I've heard things about him, but, like, when I saw, when I watched The the Last Dance and I saw that, like, he didn't really party, he didn't do drugs or anything like that, he was strictly, I want to be the best, and that's it. I was like, this is the type of dude that I wish I, like, knew about younger as, like, a good role model. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I was like, dude, this there's no there's no no questioning that he's the goat like yeah i'm excited i'm excited to watch it i'm i heard netflix is supposed to get it after uh all 10 episodes are released so sometime after that it will uh again i I, i'm I'm just excited to watch i mean hell i watched the uh, 2013 miami heat documentary of like that season I heard there's uh, two two other documentaries that they're working on. One is Kobe's last season. They're doing a documentary on that. Well, they're they're trying to. They're, I'm sure they're going to do it, but they have to. They're trying to figure out how to do it into a documentary. That's that's what I've heard. It's nothing official yet. They want to do it. It's a good idea, but they got to get a lot of clearance and stuff and and then things like that. There was, I think, Wade was saying that they were going to do one about the team, the USA the, team, the 08. The 08 team. That's when we went to Beijing. And that, bro, we were mopping countries. Like 40-point blowouts constantly. Like we were – like now we have teams that will, like, you know, give us a run for our money or whatever. We, again, we also don't have the same athletes going out there. Some athletes are sitting out. Um, but, yeah, that 08 team was like pff, prime wave. Which reminds me, you know what we should do as – Next time there's a – whenever the fights are back, if we get Bobak on here because he likes watching MMA, we should uh, do some commentary about some fights. Oh, I'm horrible for that. You are? I'm so bad at that. I have a buddy of mine who actually is very surprisingly good at it, like to the point that he'll say some things and then the announcer will say it after he's done saying it, where I'm like, wow. Like, and it, it hasn't happened once or twice. It's happened probably every time we watch a fight, it'll happen maybe twice, three times during the whole card. But you like wow. to watch it, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I definitely enjoy watching it, but like I enjoy watching it with my boy specifically just because he knows so much about MMA. Like he knows a lot about the fighters and then he also knows a lot about like, fighting styles and stuff and like he doesn't fight but he's like oh bro this guy's about to do this he's gonna put this in jeopardy for that and then like literally the guy will say it and i'm just like what the fuck like (laughs) 
Or like he'll be like, man, he has to stop doing that. He's eating them with this punch or whatever. And the guy will say it. And I'm just like, damn. So, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm better at watching it than I am at all. Like, I don't know shit. Like, I don't really keep up with it. I enjoy watching it though. I definitely like UFC. I like watching uh, MMA. I like watching boxing. I mean, you're just good at commentating stuff anyway. So it's like, I, f- I feel like you would probably, if you got enough knowledge on, on it, you'd probably be good at it. You know, it's funny they say that because that's one of the things that I have been thinking about, like now that, you know, comedy potentially is out of the picture for um, the next few months. I probably, you know, even if they open up tomorrow, I don't see myself doing comedy for maybe like, you know, three months, three, four months, uh, just to not expose myself to that shit. Because I mean, like in comedy, it's like 60 people, certain nights, 70 people, certain nights. Uh in one tight ass room where yeah. you literally have to like touch people to go to the bathroom. So it's just like, eh, I'm already like two months rusty. You know, what is, what's the difference between two months to six months? Like, let me just play it safe. Uh, like don't do nothing unnecessary. And you know, comedy is not going nowhere. You know, comedy will be back. It may, it may not be quick, but it'll, it'll definitely be back. Yeah. And so I'm, 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 uh, I forgot what, what it was that you had, uh, about you commentating, uh, Oh, commentate. Um, so because of the, the, the whole thing going on with comedy and the uncertainty of it, I've thought about like, what could I go back to school for? What could I do? And sports casting was something I always was like, that was like one of my passions was sports casting. And, uh, I was like, Oh yeah. You know, like, why not, you know, look more into it, see what it's about. Yeah, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Maybe. But I, I tried. I, I haven't. I'm, I'm lying. I haven't tried to do videos, but I thought of the idea of doing funny commentating videos over things. But I see that there's people who already do it. And I'm just like, uh, it doesn't come out natural to me. Yeah. So I'm just like, uh, I'm not going to put nothing out that I feel forced or I feel like I have to try to f- make funny or, or things like that. I'm just like, yeah. But who knows? Who knows? I'm definitely like interested in it. Yeah. That's something I would like to do. I just like watching and commentating on it. I think I have a pretty good knowledge of fighting, even though I don't have a background in it, even though I'm trying to start do starting to do some of it now. I do have like a lot of understanding of fighting and stuff like that. So like when I watch it, like I know what's playing out and who, you know, you know, like what should happen and what could happen, you know, who has... Did you ever wrestle? I did not. I wish I did. Yeah, usually like they always say like football players wrestle. Like Ricky Williams was a wrestler. He had wrestled when he was in high school while he uh, played football. I did not. Alex told me that I should and I never did. But in hindsight, I wish I did. But... Well... Is there anything uh, you want to talk about before we wrap this up? Um, how are you staying sane in all this? How are you uh, coping with the quarantine? I'm really like already been like a pretty homebody. I watch my daughter most of the day, but I mean, I I don't really. I always think of myself as kind of like a reclusive person. Wow. I, I, I like 
being around family and stuff like that and like being around people that I have relationship with, but also don't mind being like secluded. Right, right, right. It I doesn't, it doesn't bother you. me or anything like that, you know. Um, and I mean, I have, I live a very active life. So, you know, if I feel like, you know, I'm getting stuck in the house, I just go for a run, go outside, work out. You know, I got plenty of stuff to do here. Um, I just keep myself busy. I start reading stuff, watch stuff, listen to music. I do a lot of walking right now. I take my daughter for a walk. I'll go no music and just embrace outside. I'll do music and just really listen to something that's going to help me think. Um, same thing when I'm running. I like, to, I like to use a lot of the times that I'm walking or running to like think. So it, it doesn't bother me because I feel like I'm like getting clarity a little bit. Um, so I don't know. It doesn't bother me too much. You know, you know, I do want to get back to work, but right. just because like I miss having a routine and being able to like make myself productive. But at the same time, you know, like this doesn't bother me that much. Um, not playing as much video games as you would think. So like even that, like I think that's one thing that's helped me a little bit is I'm, I'm not necessarily being like as lazy as or like a piece of shit as I would like to be. So for me, it's kind of a good thing because I'm like staying active. I'm trying to like keep my mind in, in a positive atmosphere. Whereas I think sometimes, I think a lot of times people, especially right now, are having a really lazy attitude. Um, and I was also yeah. talking to somebody about this too, is like, you know, developing habit is hard. And working out is really a habit. So people that are wanting to have some health benefits and, you know, changes in their health, you have to develop the habit of working out. I've been working yeah. out every day, in some form or fashion since I was a junior in high school. So for me, it's a habit. And if I don't do it in a few days, it bothers me. Right. Because it's a habit. I feel like I have to do it. Not because like it's a chore, but because it's part of my sanity. Right. Um, so the same thing is for laziness. I think right now, a lot of people are using this opportunity to develop the habit of being lazy without realizing it right so you would think that whenever things go back to normal whatever that looks like or try to you know you would think people have this mentality of you know all right i might go to the gym i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that no because you have to develop that habit again and they are used to sitting on the couch watching netflix all day you know, dicking around, getting on Facebook and not being productive by talking a lot of shit, you know, and it's just developing this unhealthy habit of being lazy. Right. So for me, it's different because I've been trying to be more productive in a way, you know, starting the podcast, you know, reading about stuff, you know, listening to podcasts and, you know, trying to like learn meditate a little bit, you know, work on my health without having distractions and stuff like that. So for me, it hasn't been a big obstacle. It's kind of been a good thing. It's like a well-needed break almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely hear you on that. 
And I think a lot of people just need to use this as an opportunity to refocus, you know? I mean, that's that's what I've been telling people. I'm just like, look, man, no matter how long it is, whether it's two months or two years or whatever the case may be for quarantine, it's going to be, excuse me, a certain amount of time. And that certain amount of time is going to pass whether you want it or not. And it's only going to pass by day by day. So you might as well just take advantage of what you can right now. Um, Be happy with what you got and do what you got to do. You know, like just try to stay as like, I mean, I've definitely gained discipline in, in certain or like I've exchanged a discipline. So like the discipline I implemented to the gym, you know, I've, done it somewhere else maybe like i'm not working out as i normally would be but um other things you know and yeah i mean it definitely the the opportunity of being lazy presents itself um here but i don't know i think yo america needs a break like (laughs) everybody was 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 going crazy everybody was trying to and i and it's just like a wake-up call to everybody you know to reevaluate your life like use this time to learn about yourself um to do something good for yourself you know i've caught up on you know videos that i've wanted to watch or movies or um you know shit sh- things i've wanted to do i've definitely caught up on a few of those those sort of things so it hasn't always it hasn't been like a complete you know downfall but people got to look for what can they make of this. You have to look for the opportunity. Um, You can't just be like, Oh, well, this is nothing, you know, like, no. So, yeah, yeah, this, the saying that's been on my mind a lot is just like people fail to realize that time is a commodity that you never get back. Right. With that being said, time waits on no one. So it's always going to go by whether you like it or not. How you choose to spend it is up to you. Right, right. That's that's exactly what it goes down to. So I just have a, a good perspective. I'm I'm trying to do things I didn't do before, and I'm catching up on things I've been meaning to catch up on. And at the same time, I'm also enjoying it too. Like I'm not gonna lie, I'm definitely enjoying it too. So I'm just, you know, rolling with the punches. All right. Well, it's good. Right, it's good to talk to you. Likewise, man. This was Let's- fun. Those of you that are listening on any platforms on YouTube, go ahead and give us a follow, subscribe, like, comment, give us some feedback, some topics to talk about on the solo podcast, um, and just keep watching along with us. Thank you for being here.